0: Hi, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in
1: Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer coming to you from the island of Kauai. And together we are Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha! Welcome to our next Spirit Speakers podcast episode. Today, we're going to be sharing paranormal stories from around the world. We've asked our listeners to chime in and tell us some of the tales of their amazing experiences. And we have rifled through them and picked some of our favorites. And we're going to share them with you today in honor of this time of Halloween and Samhain. And we're really excited to get into that. Patty and I are gonna do some commenting and share one of our own paranormal stories. But before we get into that, I would just like to speak to the most amazing experience we just had at our second retreat that Patty and I have done together. So Patty, hi Patty. Hey Jude. Yes, the retreat was so magical. I'm still
0: feeling high from this. And, you know, putting on a retreat is a lot of work, but it was the most magical group of people that came together. Everybody just formed like this big family energy, and everybody was supportive and welcoming. And, you know, there were so many amazing stories. I spoke to one woman that lives in a small town in the Midwest, and she was saying that she has a hard time finding a spiritual community that she feels that she doesn't really have anyone to talk to, but she had her arm over another woman's shoulders. And she said, and I just met this woman and we discovered that we live less than two miles away from one another. And so there were all these, teary, beautiful moments. And we sat and ate together and shared stories and experiences and got to know one another. And, you know, I think there were really deep friendships made at this retreat. In addition to the time that we spent together, there were people exchanging emails and phone numbers before they left. And there was a lot of hugging and tears and it was just um, beautiful and magical and could, you know, I don't think it could have been any better.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I thought it was a phenomenal experience. And having done a lot of different retreats as a participant and facilitator with different groups, I I was sort of astounded at how quickly everybody integrated together with the group, realizing that this podcast was the common thread that everybody had. A lot of times when you go to retreats, like everybody's coming from all these different corners and you're trying to like kind of feel everybody out and like, are we alike? Do we have similar interests? Are we going to be friends? And it was like instantaneously, I just heard all these conversations unfolding about the podcast and different episodes. And there were multiple times where I just assumed that the people I was speaking to came together, that they traveled to the retreat together. They're like, no, we just met. <laughs>
2: like, because yeah, you seem exactly. like old friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And uh, it really opened our eyes, first of all, to just the type there's definitely a certain type of person that really listened to this podcast. And it just felt like everybody would have been a friend. Do you know what I'm saying? Like somebody we would have probably hung out with or talked story with, or that you could see that everybody in that group would have been friends with each other anyways, had they not met there. It really opened our eyes to the potential of Future retreats. So, we're really looking forward to really expanding and making a, another beautiful setting in the future. So, we're definitely going to be doing it again. So, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Yes. And
0: thank you so much for everyone that attended. It was just medicine, you know. And I think it helped us realize how important a spiritual community is to have people to share stories and experiences and that support and how it's really necessary right now.
1: Absolutely okay let's get into the paranormal stories so first of all big thank yous to everybody who took the time to record we got a lot of submissions unfortunately we couldn't fit everybody so uh, we picked some of our favorites and we are going to play the story and then patty and i are going to chime in afterwards and just you know if we have anything to comment on we'll give it there before we jump in i just want to say some of these people are amazing storytellers My
0: gosh, I was listening going, wow, this is like, I was so sucked in. You guys are amazing out there.
1: Okay. Let's start with the first story. Hi, Patty and Jude.
3: This is Kayleen from Atlanta, and this is my ghost story. So this is a story about my brother and his powers in the other world. Um, My brother, Jeff, and I were the two youngest of seven, and we were incredibly close throughout the course of our lives. Uh, My brother was a special, special human. He was was truly different than anybody I've ever met. He was a glorious beam of light, and anybody that saw him knew it. But in 2019, he was diagnosed with late-stage cancer. And throughout the course of his cancer treatment and him trying to fight it, I would have conversations with him about his thoughts on spirituality and and did he believe that, that life continues on after this three-dimensional world? He did not. Um, he didn't believe in it. Um, he knew I did. And I would often think, wow, um, <laughs> you're in for a big surprise. And uh, knowing who you are in this world, I think you're going to be something special in that world. Um, but unfortunately, in 2020, in the height of the pandemic, he passed away from his cancer. Um, He passed away at home in his living room in my arms. And it was a beautiful passing. But because um, I was the only family member in Atlanta with him, I was left to take care of his estate and his possessions. So I was spending a lot of time at his home. And I noticed that he had these big machines in the corner of his living rooms and they were professional grade laser machines because he truly loved laser lights and color and anything to do with color. I mean, his nickname was Bubbles because he loved Bubbles, but um, I couldn't figure out how to turn on these machines. And finally, after a number of days of trying to figure it out, I was there and I realized he had other lights that were connected to his Echo device just by giving a command, they would turn on and off. So I gave the command to turn on the lasers. And they all lit up one by one by one. And there's five or six of these machines each in various corners of his living room. And all of a sudden, his living room turned into this disco. It was unbelievable. He even had an antique disco ball in his living room. It was a sight to be seen, and it was truly my brother at his finest. And the fact that he had it connected to an echo device was even more my brother. But um, it was the one moment I actually felt some joy after dealing with his loss and, and all that we had gone through. But I continued to be over there day after day after day. And randomly when I was over there, I would just turn on the laser machines just by giving the command because I wanted to feel a little joy and feel a little connected to my brother. So one weekend I decided to spend the whole weekend there. So I was there at night and I was like, oh, I really want to see what these lasers look like in the pitch black. Now, my brother's home was a condominium that he bought that was the basement of a 100-year-old building. So you can imagine in the basement, the walls are all granite and brick. So it is pitch black in there. And it's a little creepy because it's a 100-year-old building. But regardless, I turned off all the lights and then I turned on all the laser machines by giving the command and they all fired up one by one and the scene was indescribable it was so beautiful there was so much happening in the living room there was laser beams bouncing off of everything possible all throughout his living room and his foyer and his kitchen it was truly spectacular and all of a sudden i got this overwhelming feeling of anxiety And I thought, oh goodness, I would freak out if I was stuck here in this dark with all these machines going and I couldn't get them off because I'm pretty sensitive and I have sensory overload. So that's normal for me to feel. Had that thought, it came and went and I enjoyed the laser machines for a little while longer. And then I decided to turn them off and I gave the command for them to go off and they didn't go off. And I gave the command five or six more times and it still didn't go off and I got a little panicked and I walked up to the Echo device that was right at the doorway of his kitchen and I'm speaking directly into it. I'm like, are you hearing me? And I'm giving the command. So I tested it to see if it would turn on other lights that it had connections to. The other regular lights, sure, they came on and they went off just by command. No problems there. But I gave one last command for the lasers to go off and they didn't go off. So I'm standing there looking out into his long living room with all these lasers bouncing off everywhere and I'm kind of freaking out now because they're not going off. Something weird is going on. So I say out loud, I'm like, Jeff, okay, if this is you, this isn't funny anymore. And all of a sudden... The lasers that are bouncing off of the wall that I am looking directly at turn into a giant red heart and they're just bouncing this red heart. It's growing bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. And I'm literally standing there speechless with my jaw dropped going, is this really happening right now? I literally, every cell in my body was vibrating. I had chills from head to toe that this just giant red heart is like throbbing in front of me. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said out loud, mind you, I am all alone. I said out loud, Jeff, I get it. It is you. And then I turned to the echo device and I said, Alexa, laser's off. And they all shut down. And I stood there in pure and utter shock, amazement, and love to think I just had this unbelievable experience. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that that was my brother saying, Kayleen, you were right. I am still here on the other side and I have power and please... Don't stop sharing my light. So, I hope you enjoyed this story. That's my ghost story. I
0: love you, Patty and Jude. Thank you for what you do. So, I was on the edge of my seat for this entire thing. This is so amazing. And what an amazing validation here. And, you know, the pulsating red heart, like my heart was pulsating along with the story as I was listening to it. It was, it was really magical. And especially the fact that he didn't really believe in the afterlife. And then he came through
1: to validate all of that for her. It was, yeah, really touching. This was a super magical story, and it brought on a lot of visuals because you could just imagine these laser lights, like illuminating the whole room and the pulsating heart. And I could just imagine her alone in there, just sort of overwhelmed with emotion in that moment. And, uh, you know, so often people are so ready and willing to explain away these sort of serendipitous, I was thinking this and saw that. No, it's all connected. It's all threaded. It's a big, beautiful, sacred geometry of connections happening between us and space spirit and all things in existence. And I just absolutely adored this story. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yes, it was so beautiful. And this was a pretty grand gesture
0: on her brother's part. And sometimes messages that come through are not that potent and not that huge. And so it's easy for us to just say, oh, it's just coincidental, or it's my imagination, or I'm exaggerating these things. But if something happens and it reminds you of a loved one, that's all you need. You know, that tells you right there that that's a message. It's not like every butterfly we see reminds us of somebody that's passed. But if we see one and we get a big hit of our grandmother, trust that. I have at my mom's house in the bedroom that my grandmother, who was my person, where she stayed and slept before she passed, there's a light next to the bed. And the light comes on and off by itself all the time. And when I stay there, it never turns on in the middle of the night and disturbs my sleep, but I'll just be settling in. I'll turn it off and it turns on, you know, and a few times I haven't been able to turn it off. Well, my husband, who's an electrical contractor will say, well, there must be a fault in the wire or a short somewhere or something like that. But- We know. We know when it's special and we know when it's meaningful. So again, this story was amazing. I don't see how you could think this was anything other than him coming through to her, but also, you know,
1: don't dismiss those little things as either. I also love to because this speaks to how often spirits will utilize electronics. Mm. (laughs) As you said, uh, you know, there is an energy with electricity and I, I do believe that spirits can harness that and they can utilize that to their advantage. And that's why you'll see lights flickering and TVs and radio songs, you know, might come in carrying a person's energy, you know. All right. Should we move on to the next one?
2: Hi, Patty. Hi, Jude. Hi, listeners. My name is Timelin, and I'd like to share my story of my gnome encounter. My gnome story actually involves your podcast, so I thought I would share. Um, so last year, I was living in Fieldbrook, California, on this beautiful property, lots of space. I'd walk around on it all day long with my dog, and there was definitely some peculiar areas where I felt a lot of energy. I mean, certain spots I would walk certain little groves of trees I would walk by and my whole body would just start vibrating and so I I, I was mindful around those spots and I kind of assumed it was portal energy um, and one day I was in Eureka and I was going to work for a friend and I'd never been to her house before but the minute I got to her house and was about to walk inside I look over at these three redwood trees, uh, on our property, and immediately I thought, No, snow portal, <laughs> just shot into my head, I have no idea why, um, and then sure enough, I see her garden, her raised beds, and some tiny little gnome statues in there, and I'm like, okay, I'm listening, I really feel like I was picking up on something, and so I go upstairs, and I start working a little bit, and I, um, Google Fairy and Gnome Podcasts. And what came up was Spirit Speakers Podcast. Never heard of it before. Clicked on it, started listening. Jude, what? I've worked with Jude before. So maybe like three to six months before that, I had an appointment with Jude. And then we'd worked together years before that. So anyway, and I'd always heard the name Patty Davis. So anyway, I was immediately hooked listened to the podcast, was thrilled, really excited, validated, so thank you for that. So I probably said in meditation or like when I was in the yard and then on that property, I was probably just having extra awareness. And sure enough, one day I was in an astral dream, which I astral dream a lot, but it's not something I really try to do consciously. Um, It just happens. But I remember it whenever something alarming triggers that memory, if that makes sense. So anyway, I was, I was just standing in my room. I don't know what I was doing. And I see my body there sleeping on my bed. And I look over at this painting that I painted. I, I painted a painting of New Earth Rising. So it's got these beautiful blues and greens that I put like gold glitter in, in the earth, and that's coming up in the skies, these beautiful oranges and pinks, and there's a woman and her baby sitting on top of the earth, and it's this concept of of this new earth rising. And so I'm looking at this painting, but the blues and the greens of the earth weren't there. It was just transparent, and I see these two giant eyeballs in that little section where the earth is supposed to be rising the most fascinating thing i've ever seen i mean it was like almost pixelated like definitely 2d um And I don't know really how I know that, but it's just wild. So it's looking at me, and it's looking back and forth in my room. Its eyeballs are just going back and forth. And I'm like, holy shit, you're a gnome, you're a gnome. And I'm pointing, and I'm laughing, and I'm laughing so hard that I wake up laughing. And I'm looking at my painting like, no way. That was a gnome that just put a portal in my painting. So, <laughs> That's all I could think about for a long time. Um, I wasn't going to bring it up. I had an appointment with this psychic. I wasn't going to bring it up. And she actually, the first thing she brought up was my dream space. So I was like, okay, I have to tell her this story. And she was like, you know, Timbaland, not only have the gnomes been on your radar, but they've been trying to get your attention for a long time. And it has something to do with my spiritual lineage in that realm, in the gnome fey world. So I thought you guys would find that interesting. And if there's anything else you want to say about gnomes, I'm just totally obsessed now. Uh, But thank you both so much for what you do and listeners and your whole community. I hope you all have a great day. Bye. Wow.
1: I love this. And Once again, just makes me feel really good as a podcaster and giving this information that we were able to validate your experience. And it totally makes sense to me, too, because, you know, the astral realm is very similar to the psychic realm. Like, psychic people can consciously kind of dip their awareness into that astral plane and, you know, move around in it and pick up information from that space. And we all do this naturally in our sleep. So I could totally see when you wake up that you're sort of like in that in-between phase of that astral eye and your conscious awoken eye and see these little, like, pixelated manifestations of these beings, which were likely gnomes, you know, because I've lived up there in Humboldt. Like I definitely know there's an abundance of them up there. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Really magical. I enjoyed it too. And uh, the
0: story that I have about my experience with the Gnome portal actually was in Fieldbrook as well, in the same area that um, Timmerlin lives in. There's definitely some portal openings there that allow them to have access to us and us access to them. And I thought it was really interesting that the painting that she did became a portal or opened a portal. That was fascinating. I love it. Thank you so
4: much. Hi, Jude and Patty. My name is Peggy and I'm from Eldersburg, Maryland. I had a wonderful reading with Jude this past April. Since I was a teenager, I have received signs from loved ones who have passed. I had a beautiful dream where my grandmother visited me, and I'm sure I astral traveled, not even knowing what that was at the time. In 1998, my grandfather died at age 98. We had a full military funeral for him. At the funeral, I was listening to taps, and I said a silent prayer asking God to give me a sign that Poppy was with Granny. Almost out of nowhere, these two birds appeared soaring together in the sky, and I knew right away that was my sign. I felt this overwhelming sense of peace and joy, knowing that they were together. After the funeral, I asked my mom if she saw the birds. She had not, but was so happy to hear about my sign. My grandfather had lived at the soldier's home in Washington, D.C., and a few days after his funeral, this lady called my mom. She said, you don't know me, but your father used to come to my barbershop every week. I am calling because I have something to give you. I have a big framed poem in my shop that your father would read every time he came in, and I would like you to have it. My mom asked her if she would please read the poem. It was the poem about Don't Stand at My Grave and Weep, and when she got to the part where it says, I'm the swift, uplifting rush of birds circling in flight, my mom said, what did you say? The lady repeated it, and my mom told her what had occurred with me at the funeral. The lady said, oh wow, (laughs) well, that was your father's favorite part. This validation filled my heart, and every day since then, I have seen a soaring bird, and I always think of my grandfather. The key thing here is, for some reason, my grandfather always thought he would be forgotten. My family knew about my bird connection with my grandfather, including my brother who passed away after a long battle with liver disease. He died in the very early morning hours in late October 2020, and it was raining. The evening after he passed, our family priest reached out to me asking for stories for my brother's eulogy. I felt like I just needed to get out of the house and be alone to think for a while, so I left to go pick up some, dip some dinner for my family, When I got in the car, I put on a Led Zeppelin playlist because my brother loved Led Zeppelin and I wanted to feel close to him. I didn't want to listen to anything sad like Stairway to Heaven, so I chose something with a more upbeat kind of vibe. It was Ramble On. The lyrics started, Leaves are falling all around. It's time I was on my way. Thanks to you, I'm much obliged for such a pleasant stay. But now it's time for me to go. The autumn moon lights my way. For now I smell the rain and with it pain, and it's headed my way. Instantly, I knew my brother was with me. We would often call each other, saying that we heard a song that made us think of the other one. I knew that this was him telling me he had to go and that he was okay. It filled my heart. When I got home, I told our priest what had happened, and the really cool thing is he used this story in my brother's eulogy which is pretty amazing because who would have thought a Catholic priest would recite lyrics to a Led Zeppelin song in church? I know my brother would have wanted that to be part of his funeral. Now whenever Ramble On comes on, I know that my brother is visiting me and he sends me other signs too. This past May, my father died and I asked him to send me a sign and be really obvious about it. A few days after he passed, I was in my kitchen making coffee. I love birds and I have a lot of bird feeders, including one that stuck to my sliding glass door off my kitchen. I heard a bird land in the feeder, and he started making a racket, peck- pecking and squawking. I walked over to the window to see what the heck this bird was doing. It was a beautiful blue jay. Blue jays are really shy and normally fly away whenever I come to the window to see them, but this one just stayed put and was looking at me. I suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me that this might be my sign for my dad. And I asked, Dad, is this my sign from you? The blue jay leaned forward, tilted his head to see me closer. And I knew this meant my dad was with me. I hear or see a blue jay every day, and it fills my heart knowing my dad is close. These signs have truly helped me work through my grief, and I really want to thank you both for helping me understand more about the other side and for the validation that our loved ones are near. Thank you both for what you do, and thanks for listening.
0: I love this. I love it so much. There's so much powerful connections here and messages. And this goes back to what we were talking about in the first one, where maybe this wasn't lasers, but there were the birds soaring, and then there was the poetry and the wording of it. It's just so beautiful. And it helps us as humans deal with death and loss so much easier when we get that validation and we know that there's more and that they're still here and that they're still connecting with us. It was really beautiful
1: yeah and once again another way that spirits are always communicating with us is that they can utilize you know the energy of animals who are these like really pure expressions of energy that are not blocked up and clogged down by these you know lower vibrations that we as flawed human beings can have, you know, so they do become these amazing vessels for spirit to manifest. And I really love it when spirit speaks to us through song. I've heard these stories so many times of people like thinking of somebody randomly that passed that they've not thought about in uh, forever, and then randomly hearing like the rarest version of a specific song at that exact moment. I hear these stories so often. And I think it's just really beautiful how uh, music has also become sort of a vessel in which to communicate to us still in the living.
0: Yes. And I I love that song. And now that song has a totally new meaning for me. And then I wanted to talk about Blue Jays. My dad has shown up as a Blue Jay. I've had many readings where Blue Jays have shown up as loved ones. There's something about Blue Jays you know, Blue Jays actually have that ability to travel between dimensions, between the earthly plane and, and the, the heavenly plane. And they connect us with the deepest mysteries of the earth and the greatest mysteries of heaven. And so it makes sense to me that a Blue Jay shown up. They're so powerful. And I have a huge Blue Jay connection. You aren't alone there with that is um, a messenger for a lot of people.
1: You know, I didn't know that about the Blue Jays. Uh, I love Blue Jays. And uh, I know that I have a very close childhood friend who has a strong connection with a loved one who's crossed over with the Blue Jays. And I remember that you read her and one of those Blue Jays came chirping at your window and you said to her, what's up with the Blue Jays? And she lost it because what you didn't know is that she had this super long conversation with me about the blue jay feathers probably just days before she had that reading with you so you yeah. blew her mind when you said what's up with them she's like did you tell her i was like oh, no. really yeah you know, it was just too stunning. You know what I mean? But yeah. no, no. I was like, Patty's that good. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, it was her
0: loved one. Because the loved right. one that has passed,
1: his name was Jay. Right. And and this was
0: undeniable. Like I'm trying to, to have a reading and this blue Jay is flying around from window to window to window to window. Wow. Like, just in my eyesight. It was crazy.
1: I think it was very validating for her because she so strongly associated that blue jay feather with him. But, you know, there's always that bit of skepticism in the back of our mind is like, am I reaching, you know, is this really what it is, even though you so strongly want to believe it? So I thought that was incredible that you were able to validate that for her.
0: Uh, It was him coming through. But I also want to tell you people that Jude and I don't like call each other and give each other hints about who we're going to read so that we sound good. We have no idea who's reading who it's not like we know each other's schedules. And um, you know, it's, it's like, I'll read somebody and they'll be like, Jude said the exact same thing. You know, some people <laughs> say it like, Oh, it's amazing. Jude said the, the exact same thing. And some people say it like, okay, are you guys like collaborating on this? So we no. don't have time. We don't have
1: time to do that. <laughs> Hell no, I barely, we barely even talk actually outside of when we have business to conduct or something super wild comes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you're always like, I read somebody today. And then I tell Patty, I was like, I always like sweat a little bit. If somebody's like, I just had a reading with Patty. I was like, Oh, the pressure's on. <laughs> oh, I know. I hate it when they tell me that because I'm like, Oh my
0: God, what if I tell them something totally different? Yeah, And then, then they, they don't, then they think this is all bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but a lot of times they say, I they get the same thing. Patty said the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's more validation than disappointment. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. I agree.
1: Okay, let's go into the next story. Hi everyone. This is Teresa
5: from Humboldt County, California. My story is about how I met my spirit guide and how our relationship has grown. During last winter's Spirit Speakers Chakra Exploration Workshop, Patty guided us through meditations for each chakra. The intention for the crown chakra meditation was to meet our spirit guides. I set my doubts aside to be open and hopeful. When we reached the ornate door, it disappeared when we touched it to reveal our spirit guides. I was surprised to see a very tall old man standing there. He had a long white beard and hair and loving deep blue eyes. We hugged, then walked down the chakra-colored stairs, holding hands. I wondered if I had imagined a stereotypical guide in white robes. Later I did the meditation on my own. There he awaited me again. The second time I asked him his name, but he didn't reply. I then meditated on how to ask him and was told, What shall I call you? This time he answered, Called me Absalom. I was gobsmacked and quickly wrote it down as it was a rather unfamiliar name to me. In Hebrew it means father of peace, which astonished me as well. In the Bible, Absalom was the son of King David, who was murdered by his brother. At this point I truly believed he was my spirit guide. Then during a remote reading with Judea, I told her my intention was to connect with Absalom. Beforehand, I meditated and requested his presence. Jude couldn't guarantee it, but there he was before she even looked for him. Standing behind me, he was very excited to connect with me. He explained our purpose together was planned before this incarnation of mine. I was told to practice, and that no question was too big or too small. He said he'd be with me when I transition in about 30 years. Holy Spirit! (laughs) He identified as a Lemurian as well. I had visited Mount Shasta recently, feeling its intense, sacred energy. This development far exceeded my expectations. I was completely blown away. During a Reiki session, he appeared again and advised me how to relieve my headaches through an acupressure point on my hand. When I lost my favorite Lemurian aquatine calcite crystal, I asked for his help to find it. And then there it was, exactly where he told me it would be. In another meditation I asked Absalom to show me his home. We astral traveled together, looking down at the glistening white rooftops in a town. It was in a valley between two huge mountains. The next time I asked him if he could show me street view. we Astral traveled to the base of one mountain with a clear look at its topography. I am still in awe of these developments and feel so excited to continue learning and growing with Absalom's guidance. Thank you, Patty and Judea, for your parts in revealing Absalom to me. I'll always be grateful.
1: I love this spirit guide connection. And yes, I actually do recall the reading. It's so interesting how I can forget an entire reading like almost immediately after it happens. But even if it's been a year or two years, however long, if you give me one snippet of what I told you, I can begin to recall like with clarity as though I was actually there. I remember the visions that I get for readings as though it was like an actual memory of like what I did yesterday or you know, what my kindergarten classroom was like, I can see it with that level of clarity. And I do actually remember, uh, your spirit guide. And that is amazing with the Lemurian connection. And I do want to speak to also the spirit guide meditation that we did during the class. You know, I remember because I also meditated that spirit guide meditation and I know my spirit guide. So this was no new thing for me. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to I'm just going to do it. But I already know who my spirit guides are. And I had a really powerful encounter with my spirit guide. It was the same spirit guide that I always work with, but I saw them with such clarity and detail, like literally the, the shape of their nose and face and clothes. And I was sort of stunned because I wasn't expecting that. And then my spirit guide after that particular meditation showed up for me multiple times over the next couple of days with this level of clarity that I have never seen before or since. So it goes to show that when we do group work and everybody is focused on doing the same thing, I think it really amplifies the portals that we're opening up. And that was also interesting to see through the, the virtual classroom that it didn't matter that we weren't all physically in the same place. I really felt that I had a very strong spirit guide meditation because there were so many people and we were all doing it together. I'm I'm just really stoked for this listener because she also had a really potent experience discovering her spirit guide.
0: Yeah. And I love that she got the name. You know, we don't all get names of our guides. Sometimes a spirit guide will give me a name in a reading and I'll pass it on. Other times they're like, no, this is an intimate connection between you know, my, my person and I, and they won't give me the name, but the name and looking up the meaning that means father of peace. I just loved that. And my first guide that I met, and I I spoke about this in our, our spirit guides episode, when I was meditating and he came through, it was his name that kept shooting through over and over. It would show up in like neon lights and it would be bright in my face. And I was like, okay, dude, I get your name, you know? And I didn't realize how important that was going to be to me in the future and how that was going to help me feel much more connected. And I too found the the meaning of his name and he, um, it's a Tibetan name and he was spelt with me and two dots over the first O and all this stuff. And I was reading the autobiography of the Dolly. Lama, and they were talking about his entourage that travels with him, and that name was listed in the people in his entourage. Exactly with the two dots over the first O, and you know the, the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I, you know, was like almost lost my shit there. And I Googled the name to see who this person was. And it actually isn't a person, it's a title, which means your devoted servant for life. And so just like getting the father of peace, and then for me getting your humbled servant for life, um, you know, that was more meaningful to me than if it were a specific person that was alive that was traveling with him. So good job looking it up good job getting a name. And you know, I really suggest to everybody out there, if you're trying to have a deeper connection with your guides, ask them to give you a name and then trust what you get. Don't second guess yourself or ask them if you can give them a name. And I know with her asking for a name wasn't really working, but when she asked in a different way, what shall I call you? That's when the name came through. So thank you, Teresa, for this super beautiful.
1: And for those of you who have frustrations around not getting a name for your guide, I just wanna speak for that group of us who don't have names for the guides and have never gotten a name for the guide because I'm one of those people. I've spoken to my guides with a level of clarity that blows my mind sometimes. And uh, yet I still don't have a name. (laughs) And I think I gave up on it a long time ago. Like it's to me, My understanding is like not all guides are attached to needing a name. If you don't hear a name, you very well could just say, when I say this name, this means that I'm speaking to you. You know, you can kind of set it up and design it the way that you want to if that works better for you. So just please don't get frustrated if you're somebody who's been trying to get a name and hasn't gotten it. And you may not need a name,
0: you know, like you, you may not really need that where for some reason I needed that you know or or Teresa, that helped her connect better so
1: right my main guide is somebody that was my brother in a past incarnation and i remember with clarity him in that incarnation and the dynamic between me and him and so i always refer to him as brother i'm like hey brother oh, I bro that. yeah that's how i don't have a name for him and i'm pretty content with just con- maybe that is his name
6: <laughs> brother yeah <laughs> Hi, Patty. Hi, Jude. This is Sherry. You both have been so brave in sharing your personal thoughts, feelings, and experiences that it has inspired me to share a story that I seldom share with anybody. It took place in about 2005. I wasn't even 21 years old yet, and it was my first big job in my new career at the time. I was away on job training, and it was a two week job training. The first week, We were in St. Louis, and then we were home, and then we went back for the second week. The first week was so much fun getting to know the people I was in class with. There were two Polly's and two Sherry's in this class, so we had a really great time with that. The first week was all about getting to know each other and in our hotel room after class we would all hang out in the the hotel room sharing ghost stories and paranormal experiences and um, it was something that we all had a lot in common with. We had a great time with it. We went home and then we came back for the final week. And I suspected the final week would go very closely to the way the first week went, where we were still continuing to talk about paranormal things, which we all tended to love. And it did. But it turned out that I was really connected with um, the one girl named Polly in the class. And Polly and I would hang out every single night after class. And um, the conversation turned... A little bit different, and um, instead of just talking about the paranormal, ghost stories that things we've experienced, it started to talk about ETs. And at the time, (laughs) I was terrified of anything related to aliens. I couldn't watch alien movies. I couldn't hear stories. If there was a book and it mentioned aliens, I would just. Turn white and just could not manage it. I had been that way my whole life. I was just petrified. So the conversation turns into aliens and she was sharing all of this information. She had lived near Roswell. Her brother was this investigator and uh, there was so much information that she was just sort of rambling on about that just I was in awe that I was even listening to these what I you know, what she is saying or facts about things. Uh, It was my first real introduction into anything ET related. And I, I was, of course, really nervous. And she said, don't worry, you know, ETs are everywhere and they look like people and you you walk by them all the time, and you wouldn't even know that they're there. And I I really was nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really nervous about that idea. And she's like, don't worry about it. Um, we are all just energy, and uh, some energy is just different. And she began to show me in her hand how you can make energy appear out of your hand. And she began to move her hands together. And in her hands, it looked like they were glowing and I still to this day question what I was seeing, but yep, before my eyes, her hands were glowing and she was showing me how we can expand energy within our hands and just if we just put our minds to it. We all have this ability. And she was so matter-of-fact about it. and In fact, I think about that of how casual she was when she was talking and explaining about this energy that you can create within your own palms. And so the next night we're hanging out and I'm already like... (laughs) (laughs) what am I going to hear Polly say today? What is going to happen? And, um, so we're hanging out and again, we start talking about ETs and I'm like, I don't know if I, if I can, you know, go down this road and talk more about ETs. It really does scare me. And she goes, don't worry. ETs are okay. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's things you need to be aware of. And, um, again, you know, Aliens are everywhere. We're all alien, and I'm like, okay, um, okay. And she starts laughing, and and her laughter was so contagious. So I start laughing, and it's a nervous laugh, of course. And she's like, see, aliens are everywhere. It's not a big deal. I'm an alien, and I and I remember the, still laughing as the words, I'm an alien, run in my head of things that I've never thought I would hear, um, and right before my eyes. She says, I'm an alien, and she starts to change. Her whole body changed. Everything in the room changed. It was almost as though the light from the room was sucked out of the room and put into her. And it wasn't until years later that I actually began um, understanding uh, different dimensions and that that we were no longer in the hotel room. What I was actually witnessing happen was that we left this hotel room, the two of us, and we were in some other space. We were in like this dark room and I couldn't see anything beyond her and I. And she was glowing and her body started changing. Her skin's changed, her eyes, her hair. I mean, everything about her physical human body was changing. And then the brighter she got, the darker the space around us got. And... I started feeling super weird and I panicked and all of a sudden my mind just caught up to me with what I was seeing was not a normal thing for me to be seeing. And I said, stop, I'm scared. It's too much. I'm not ready. (laughs) I'm not ready. Like recognizing that that's even a weird thing to say, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And as soon as I said it, everything in the room stopped. She stopped changing The room went back to normal. The light and the lamp in the hotel room was back to normal. And she said, that's okay. You're not ready yet. You will be someday. It's okay. Don't worry. And that was the last evening I saw Polly. And um, I would love to bump into her again and just ask a million questions about what went on that night. But um, this is the story I clearly have never shared with anybody uh, my evening with an alien and um, who I thought was Polly from Wichita, Kansas, but she um, clearly was not human. So thank you, Polly, for sharing who you are with me and opening my eyes to um, a world that I needed to get to know. And um, thanks for letting me share this story with you all. Have a great day. The whole time I was listening to this, I
0: was like, oh my God, Paulie's an alien. Paulie's an alien. It was like I was yelling at her, Paulie's an alien. I was totally getting that hit before she even was saying it. And it was so interesting. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, Jude, because of being an, an alien. But I love this story. And I love that you know, when she's talking to her and she says, well, I'm an alien. It's kind of like, I knew what was gonna happen before it was happening. And I was totally like jumping up and down in my kitchen. And um, it was super fun. I was at the edge of my
1: seat. I was like, what, <laughs> this is incredible. Like, yeah. and, and the whole thing about how she like sucked the light out of the room in order for her to look more illuminated or that was like the visual scape that Sherry had during this uh, particular story. I've seen stuff like that. Like I fully was like, oh, I've absolutely seen that where everything in the background goes dark and like the thing that is in focus becomes the only illuminated thing you see. It can be very freaky to see that, but it absolutely made sense when I saw it. I don't really have a great explanation to it, but Sherry's explanation of like the dimension that we were in was falling away and a new dimension was like uh, coming to fruition before her eyes. I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, it was amazing.
7: Aloha, happy Halloween, Sam Hine 2022, Patty and Judea. I heard you were expanding your amazing annual ghost story episode to include general paranormal experiences, and I hope this might be worthy. So crossing fingers, Um, I'm going to describe this near-death experience. I actually have never shared this before, and I was actually wondering if anyone out in the world might relate, or what you wonderful ladies might make of this. So, in 2010, I was giving birth to my second daughter. Um, my first birth was very difficult, and I was hoping for an easier time with my second. Um, so like seriously, people might make like labor and deliver and how we're all supposed to bounce back within weeks when actually, if we were delivering back in pioneer times, many of us would be in really serious, dire situations. And I think in both of my birth experience, if they had happened pre late 20th century, I'm ninety percent sure I would have perished. so I'm very thankful to be alive. Okay. So second birth was a long labor, but baby daughter was born safe and healthy. And that evening, I was in my hospital room, and I was able to hobble out of the bed and into the bathroom to pee. And the next thing I knew, I remember feeling like I was floating along a fairly wide tunnel. And at the end of it, light beings were standing there. I can't think of any other way to describe them, just beings full of light. They were my people, even though it just felt like I was surrounded by light. And I was instantly flooded with feelings of familiarity and love and belonging, comfort and peace. And I was so happy to be in their presence. And I remember thinking how wonderful it would be to lie down and take a rest with them and just be completely 100% integrated into and bathed in this light. And then I had this tug, for a better lack of a better word. It was like someone was tugging me, like a metaphorical tap on the shoulder. And I remember telling all of these light beings who felt like my long-lost family, who I just love more than words can say, I remember saying like, oh, just hang on a second, I'll be right back. And then the next thing I knew, I opened my eyes, and there were like eight people in the hospital room all staring at me with this look on their faces like they were pretending, oh, yeah, everything's cool, like, don't freak out, but... (laughs) And a nurse was standing next to me, and she had used some old-school smelling salts. So apparently I had collapsed in the bathroom. Having stood up meant that I lost a shit ton of blood, and a code red had been called, et cetera, et cetera. And they patched me up to stop the bleeding, but they had to schedule me for a post-labor procedure. I was apparently hemorrhaging because not all of the afterbirth had been dispelled. And I won't go into the detail of that. If anyone has gone through that, you know what that is. Eep. Anyway, I wonder if there are other near-death experiences out there in our Spirit Speakers podcast world and what you make of this, Patty and Judea. I think more science-minded folks would say, oh, it's just some kind of brain hallucination due to lack of oxygen. But I remember this experience as clear as day, and my hope and takeaway was that we do not have to be afraid to die because when we do, one day we'll be reunited with this incredible, never-ending amount of love and comfort and peace and reunion. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Aloha. Bye. Oh, this is Jenny from Hawaii. Okay. Bye.
1: Wow. I was really hoping we were going to get a near death experience story. (laughs) And uh, we got a good one and this is amazing. And it's, really in alignment with so many testimonials from across or countless testimonials of coming into that place of light and peace and feeling your loved ones around and wanting to just surrender to that and then even i know exactly what you're feeling like that tug like that sense of tugging that pulled you back when you came to and everybody was giving you medical attention and absolutely i think that was a total tried and true real experience and isn't it interesting that you can find so much peace from that that like death is not a scary thing you know so many of us go through life fearing death and it's actually a beautiful liberation and pretty much everybody across the board who's ever had a near-death experience comes out of it saying like i don't fear death anymore Yeah, it was
0: beautiful. In college, I took a class on, it was actually called On Death and Dying, and it was just about this. It was uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her work on researching people that had had near-death experiences and how similar a lot of their experiences were. So this was fascinating and, and so beautiful.
8: Hello, my name is Jennifer, and this is my paranormal story. About three months ago, I decided to take a trip to the UK and Ireland and Ireland specifically. I've always wanted to go there. It's just been my dream ever since I was like seven years old. Basically, I would tell everyone that I wanted to go to Ireland just for no reason, really. (laughs) When I finally made it there, I was like so happy. I felt like I belonged there. Like... I just felt like I was coming home or something like that. So I, I was having a pretty good time. So the first three nights or so, I stayed at this hostel. And I'll just say, first of all, that I have like psychic abilities, but it's mostly audience. That's the most clear for me. I rarely ever see anything like in my surroundings. So I've never seen a ghost, but I will hear a lot of stuff, um, from spirits and things like that. So I was staying in this hostel and for the first three nights I was there, I would hear the same sentence kind of every night. And the sentence was, um, Simon needs to be punished. So Simon needs to be punished. And I was like, okay, that's all right. Like I I don't know who Simon is. I I don't know what that means. And sometimes I'll hear names or just different like different spirits will come to me and they'll just they'll just say a name and then I won't hear it ever again like and they just kind of leave me alone. Um but this like was a consistent thing. So I kept hearing it for about 3 nights. Um and then on the 4th day I was there. I went to this ghost tour. So it was like a haunted tour of Ireland. Uh, There was one area that the tour guide took us to, and it was an alleyway in Dublin. This is all in Dublin, by the way. Um, And he said that it's haunted by this lady. And her name is Darkie Kelly, and she's this kind of well-known um figure in ireland she like owned a brothel and she was considered like a woman of the night and kind of well known in like the street scene i guess at the time and this was a long time ago like over 100 years ago i'm pretty sure and he said that there was this whole scandal with her where apparently she got pregnant with the sheriff of dublin so like the head of police Um, He got her pregnant and he actually organized to get her basically executed because he didn't want, first of all, anyone to know that she was carrying his baby and he just probably didn't want anything to do with it. Um, And she was considered like a poor, not poor, but like a lowly woman, like not acceptable. So he had her hung and burned, which is horrible, but... That's the story. And he said that the name of the police officer, the sheriff, was Simon Luttrell or something like that. Yeah, I think it was Simon Luttrell. So when he said that, I was like, did you say Simon? Because I've been hearing that name for like the past three days and that he should be punished. So that night I was just like, Getting, like I just like got into bed like about to fall asleep and I just kind of felt her like it's it's almost like she knows I know about her now and now it's like she's got a lot to say um and her like energy came at me with like a bunch of sentences and like I heard or I heard her and I also felt her like I felt like this kind of anxiety and like this anger Kind of, and I just kind of told her, um, what happened to you wasn't fair and we we all know it. Any woman who hears that story today, like we are all on your side and the Simons of the world are gonna get what they deserve very soon. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and I just kind of kept telling her that and hopefully she got the message. <laughs> That was one of the um, biggest kind of paranormal things that happened to me while I was there. But the whole time I was in Ireland, I was just like ghosts everywhere. Like they were just talking to me wherever I go. Maybe it's because I felt like I have like a connection with Ireland. Maybe I have lived there in a past life and maybe these people actually know me. I don't know. It it was interesting. But yeah, that's that's my main story Thank you for listening. And I absolutely love this podcast and looking forward to many more episodes. So thank you.
0: Simon needs to be punished. That just sounds like the title to a horror story to me, like a horror movie. It's it's so interesting. And I love this because I went to Ireland a few years ago and I was in Dublin. And when Jennifer was talking about the hostel, I could totally picture the hostel in Dublin. And I'm like, I wonder if that's the one she was at. And then hearing the story was fascinating because Dublin is full of ghosts. It's such an interesting place to be and to experience. So first of all, to be able to pick up on that, like Jennifer's a ghost hunter, you know, I mean, it's amazing that she has the ability to be open to that and pick up on that and to get that validation. I love this story. I just had goosebumps the whole time.
1: Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for moving out of your comfort zone and moving out of a uh, familiar territory and being plopped into something different. I think our, our senses and our awareness are super heightened in situations like that, because, you know we don't know what's there we don't know where we're at who's around so we almost have like our antenna perked a little bit more and i think it's a lot easier to pick up information in different places so you know take that with you like if you're somebody who's always in the same sort of program of life doing the same thing and you're working on psychic development i urge you to like kind of take yourself out of your familiar territory and go somewhere totally new with a totally fresh energy and see what you pick up.
9: Hello, ladies. My name is Mary Wallen. I've had the pleasure of meeting both of you via Zoom and I've had readings. Each of you have discussed and unknowingly come to the same conclusion about the two moments from my childhood I'd like to share. These two moments are unusual and significant to me. but maybe significant for all of us in some way. When I was around eight years old I was sitting with my mom at a picnic table in our yard. Somehow the conversation turned to my birth story. I knew it well. My mom found out she was pregnant. My parents canceled vacation plans and instead of going on vacation built our garage. You're welcome dad. But this time mom added my conception to the talk. She started the story by telling me that she had been visited by aliens. Mom was aware when they were around. Many times as she was up late watching television, that's when they were there. One night, Mom said, she and Dad were in bed and had just made love. Dad was asleep next to her, but she had not yet fallen asleep herself. Something made her look at the foot of the bed, where she saw two beings mom could not move and was unable to wake up dad who remained asleep she said she felt a warmth in her womb and she indicated this area with her hands to show me eventually they were gone and she could move again there may have been more details that she left out or she did not recall but this is all that she said it was weeks later that she was not feeling well went to the doctor and found out she was expecting Mom said when she found out she was pregnant, she knew that this night was when she conceived me. When I was around 10, one summer afternoon, I was home alone. My parents were down the street. I was bored, so I went to my bedroom and sat on my bed. As I sat there, I noticed the sun beaming through my window and how it landed on my hand. I turned my hand palm up into the sunlight and was fascinated by the details I could see. Somehow, I started to think this thought. What is life? What are humans? I kept saying this in my head while staring at my hand. Eventually, I felt myself floating up into this darkness with sparkling lights. And then the answer came, not in words or a voice, but with knowing, and some of it was visual. The answer, in short, was life is nothing. It is not, in fact, what is real. Though this frightened me at the time, I now understand at a deeper level what I was being told and shown life in human life specifically is an experience it is a gift of learning for our soul's growth there's so much more i could explain and tell you about what i've learned about who i am and my connection to these light beings but for now i'd like to leave you with this we are the creators of our life of this experience by our thoughts and beliefs we create the life we live You can live in a poor, war-torn country and have a life of love and joy, or live in a castle and live a life of sadness and tears. It is not our circumstance that gives us beauty. It is our perception. And this is just something they have taught me. I wanna thank you, Jude, and thank you, Patty, for allowing me to share this.
1: Another amazing alien encounter. I think I've heard this at least a few times, actually, People feeling an ET presence during the time of conception or expecting mothers, knowing the moment that conception happened, whether that be guided by extraterrestrials or, or not, but that sort of warmth in that spiritual surge that happens in this, knowing that you have just created life. You know, I think that's another amazing sort of phenomenon and for her to Grow up having this sort of mystic wisdom beyond her years. I mean, also validating that, you know, she's a starseed energy. And yeah, I think that's just a really great story. And thank you for sharing.
0: It was beautiful. And I actually, after listening to this, I met a friend for lunch who had an experience of conceiving. Actually with her, she was already pregnant. She was, you know, like quite a, quite a ways along seven or eight months pregnant and aliens showed up and then she felt a warmth in her womb. So they kind of interceded during her, her pregnancy. So it was, it was fun to kind of share the story with her and get her feedback, but I've heard of this happening a lot. And I just love the quote that, you know, they, they told her that we are the creators of this experience, that life is not real and that this quote, it is not our circumstance that gives us joy. It is our perception. I love that. I'm gonna be posting that and you know, giving you credit, Mary, because that's so beautiful and so magical.
10: Hello, Patty and Jude. Once again, it's Branson Meadows from West Virginia with another story that hopefully makes it. Um, this story is a little bit uh, darker, maybe, cre- I wouldn't say darker, just creepier than the last story that I shared. Um, This one has to do with the house that I grew up in. It was always kind of scary growing up in that house, not because of what I necessarily saw, but I could always feel things as a kid, and I always felt super terrified of the heavy energy that was in that house. And so my story takes place when I was five or six. I was laying in the bed with my grandmother and my baby sister, and um, we all slept together for a while just because, like I said, I was scared of the house and we had one of those huge water beds back from the probably 80s or 90s i don't know it was big wooden and water bed and so i was laying there and i was woken up in the middle of the night while everyone else was still asleep um, by these two voices and i could tell that it was a male and female voice i could tell that it was a male and female voice and it sounded like it was right beside of the bed that's how loud it was now what's weird about it is that yes it was loud but it was still distorted. It was almost as if like there was a radio beside the bed with two people talking backwards and forth, but you can't really understand it. Like there was some syllables that you could hear, but it was definitely a conversation between a man and a woman. The conversation wasn't really a happy conversation. You could tell that it was an argument, and they were going backwards and forth, and it was so loud, and I was, I was looking at my grandma, looking at my sister, and I'm like, how the hell are they not awake? How the hell do they not hear this? Then I started looking out the window, because we lived right beside the road where people would you know, normally walk around, and um, there was nobody out there. We had street lights. There was, no, there was no one outside of the driveway. There was no one outside by the road. There was no one up in the house. There was no TVs on, because we didn't have TVs in the bedrooms so it was definitely something paranormal. And so, you know, I talked to my grandma about it and of course she brushed it off. But when I got older, she shared with me the truth. She was like, you know, and going back, my grandmother was sensitive as well. She didn't share a lot of her experiences because she didn't want to scare me, but she she was definitely sensitive and still is. And so she told me that there was a man and a woman who lived there with a daughter and that the man was either an alcoholic or his wife was an alcoholic. Either way, they there was some alcohol involved he killed himself one night and it didn't immediately kill him he crawled to the master bedroom and that's where he died and so he she said that they she she had found out that he killed himself because of all the alcoholism and the arguments between him and his wife it was a miserable it was a miserable marriage and i know she's telling the truth because whenever i helped her pull up the carpet one, one day you know this was, it wasn't that long ago there's still blood stains where you can clearly see he shot himself in the head and crawled to the the master bedroom. The blood stains is all still there. So, that's my story. Happy Halloween. I hope it makes it. And I love you guys.
0: So, our friend Branson always has good stories. You know, I just to be that sensitive as a young person must have really been challenging, magical. And it's such an amazing gift, but that must've been a challenge. So I fully understand and sympathize with you as a young man and having to sleep with your grandmother and your sister to feel comfortable. And then hearing the voices and then the blood under the carpeting. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I hear voices a lot and I will be sitting in the living room with my husband and I'll be like, is someone in my backyard? And I'll look out windows and he doesn't hear it. And then I have you know, become accustomed to knowing when it is ghosts and I'll send them away or tell them you know, to beat it yeah, I, I totally sympathize with you. It was an amazing story, but then again, like that's a lot for a young person to handle.
1: But I'm also stoked for him that he got validation later so he could attune more to the fact that he actually has gifts rather than just thinking he was going crazy. As gruesome and as dark of a story as that was, I really love that it came full circle one day for you. And I have also had that ability when I was younger to hear uh, clairaudiently and I used to hear this chatter all the time it would drive me nuts sometimes I remember not understanding what I was listening to because just as you described it it wasn't like you could ever make out exactly what it was but it was clearly like a pile of voices or multiple people conversing yeah and I remember this started for me maybe in later elementary school going into middle school, and this had gone on for years. And then one day my brother who shared a wall, our bedroom shared a wall, he was like very distraught. And he was like, I hear these voices and it sounds like they're behind the wall. And I like looked at him like, oh my God, I hear the same thing. At the time, we didn't have enough sense to see it as paranormal. Like we thought something was wrong with us. (laughs) Or somebody living in the wall. (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's so funny to see where I'm at now, because even then I didn't think, oh, they're ghosts or disembodied or residual. I had no frame of reference as to what it was. I thought that there was something wrong with my brain or something, you know, and then for my brother to like many months after the fact that I was experiencing it, saying he was experiencing the same thing was far out.
11: Hey, ladies, my name's Susie Myers. And let me just say love, love, love the podcast. Um, my story is about a cat I adopted from a coworker um, that you could no longer feed or take care of. And I get it, and it's seriously the most beautiful cat I've ever seen. Silver chinchilla Persian cat. Um, fancy feast model cat. Gorgeous. Um, and it was absolutely love at first sight. Uh, he was covered in fleas and it needed some serious care, but I was in love. Um, he's so grateful for the home and the love. He would literally jump into our arms um, when we would sneeze, he'd meow a little, bless you. He came with uh, the name Nicholas, but we called him Mr. Pretty because he was just that prettiest cat ever. And everyone loved him. And people would say, there's something about him. He's, he's not like a normal cat. Um, always had to be around people. Just exuded love. And he became a cherished member of the family, and especially for my grandsons, who loved him so much. And we had about 14 great great years with him and at the end to keep him from suffering we had to make the decision to euthanize him and and let him go in peace and on the way home from the vet's office of course i am inconsolable um sobbing digging through the glove box for napkins to wipe the snot and the mascara off my face um and all of a sudden i felt someone step into my space um Now, I was not thinking of a spirit or anything else at the time, just absolutely heartbroken, Um, but I recognized the energy. It it felt like a guide, and I could see him. Khaki pants, white shirt, white hair, and crystal blue eyes. White hair and blue eyes exactly like Mr. Pretty, Um, the cat that I'd euthanized about literally 10 minutes prior. Um, He felt Eastern European. And his name was Nicholas, <laughs> definitely a man, but I knew it was my cat's energy and the most clear and pure love coming from him. And I could feel him with me all the time then. A week later, I met with my mentor, who is a medium, and as we get ready to start the session, she's unaware of what happened the week before. She says, hold on a minute, um, there's someone here for you. I can see him with my physical eyes and he's sitting in the chair in my office. And when I ask what he looks like, she says, khaki pants, white shirt, blue eyes and white hair. (laughs) And my mind is blown. Um, She says, write this experience down because I've never heard of this happening. And so I did. Um, But fast forward two years later, I'm with my grandsons and my daughter and one of my grandsons has had a loss, someone very dear to them. And... um, We start discussing spirit and how our loved ones are never really gone. Now, they they didn't know, they knew, of course, Mr. Pretty had passed, but I never shared that experience with them, uh, of course. Um, But my youngest grandson, who's 10 at the time, during this discussion, he stands up, and, and we can tell he's, you know, emotional, and he says, I've got something to tell you. He says about a year after Mr. Pretty passed, he was saying his prayers at night, And all of a sudden, the thought of Mr. Pretty pops in his head. And then he immediately sees a man's face. And at this point, I'm holding my breath because I'm thinking to myself, he's not going to say what I think he is. And then he says, it's a man, but I know it's Mr. Pretty. And then he describes him exactly how myself and my mentor saw him. I know now he's my guide and my grandsons as well, and I don't quite understand the whole situation because I don't believe a human can be a cat or vice versa. But um, I've had people say an oversoul, but looking back on the day I adopted him, um, bringing him home for the first time, I hit a deer with him in the vehicle. Then a series of events in my life. My son went to war. I broke three vertebrae in my neck in a horrible marriage and then through a horrible divorce. I realize now he was there to protect and love and comfort me as he is now in spirit form so what a gift and a lesson in trusting spirit and i am eternally grateful thanks ladies for letting me share my story have a good one
1: yay susie susie was at our retreat she was amazing i really enjoyed Getting to know you, Susie, I just wanted to say that and hearing uh, this Mr. Pretty story in person, the cat, which she showed me a photograph of the cat. I believe it might have been Mr. Pretty or one that looked like Mr. Pretty, and it was a stinking cute cat. I, I don't know. It was like one of those kind of interesting different. It was like not a normal looking cat with the big blue eyes. Uh, I absolutely believe our spirit guides or a part of our spirit guides essence can come in as an animal, like a support spirit, as you saw Mr. Pretty being for you during uh, more difficult and challenging chapters of your life. And for that to be validated through another medium and then your grandson is absolutely incredible. Patty and I have talked about on past episodes about how sometimes you know the dogs or the pets will look like the partner. Do you remember, Patty, when you and I had discussed animals, like how I've often seen like the faces of the owners of the dogs or the pets, like on the pet, and it's said that parts of our soul can come in and incarnate as our pets to be sort of assistants and guides for us on the earthy plane? Yes. Yeah, I do. And I've I've seen that with clients too,
0: where it, it's as if they're, you know, their pet that came in is part of their soul. They they share the same soul, and this pet comes in and manifests as a guide or support or assistance um, for them during that that period of time. Now, would you call that an oversoul?
1: Yeah, like I would think that our wholeness is this grand version of us that exists uh, beyond this reality, and we are just but a minute fraction of that. Bigger essence, so I could see how easily it could probably be fractioned off into these different versions. But this story in particular takes it a step further because it's not her oversoul; it's it's a spirit guide's yeah, energy, exactly. which is so cool. Which I've never heard of that, but I absolutely, when I heard the story, I was like, "Yeah, that absolutely makes sense to me." Uh, I think that could absolutely be uh, a possibility.
0: Yeah, and and how cool! Like you said, that that her grandson validated for. That for her, but how cool is it that her grandson feels comfortable enough to share that with his grandmother? You know, that's so special to have that gift and be able to share that with your grandmother and have your grandmother validate that for you and support your gift. There aren't a lot of people that have that as young children, so that was super amazing. And and you know, Susie did say at one point, you know, I don't even know if that's possible for a cat to be a guide, to be a man, to be a cat. You know, I just keep reminding people that we as humans, we like rules, you know, it makes us feel comfortable to believe that, that there's things that make sense logistically and that there's rules that we follow when it comes to spirit. There's no limitation. Anything is possible. There are things way beyond our imagination that can be happening. So, you know, I never say, well, that doesn't happen spiritually
1: ever. Right. I have to agree. I think the possibilities are endless
12: in the ways a uh, spirit can manifest. First off, how fun. Um, my name is Danielle. I'm from Northern Virginia. My old home was 100% haunted. Uh, my sister felt that whoever was there had a dog at some point and she would feel a dog every once in a while, every time she came. I also felt the dog lay on my legs often the the ghost that was at my house would play with my toes yes that absolute fear that everyone has of your your feet hanging off the bed and someone grabbing it he would actually do that he would also touch there was a lot of um touching he would touch my leg um, and i knew it was separate from the dog but i actually heard his voice distinctly one night And it was when my parents' dog, uh, I was taking care of my parents' dog. She was in bed with me. Sometime around, I looked at the clock. It was around 3 o'clock in the morning. I awoke to the dog kind of like an alert position. And and she was facing, interestingly enough, a corner in my bedroom that my son was terrified of. Uh, You know, he was terrified of, of it when he started to become aware, like probably around one until we left the house, he never liked that corner. And so she was like pointing, you know, alert right at that corner. And I distinctly heard a voice and it was a male's voice, but it was very calming. And he was like, um, don't worry, doggy, it's okay. Just go back to sleep. Nothing's wrong. You're fine. And the my parents' dog, Daisy was her name, just went right back to sleep, like nothing happened, right after she heard him. And I think because I was so used to the ghost at this point, it it didn't faze me that much. I actually just, all I did was got up, and I was like, okay, I know you're here. I'm just really tired. I went in my bathroom, I turned the light on, and I went back to bed. And that was basically it. But what I used to feel is, I know it was male, when I would be in the bathtub, I could feel his presence brush in and it was like a, like a kind of like smoke in a way, um, but n- not like a visual smoke that I could really see, but more of like, I can feel it, more of a presence. And it would wisp in and he would go hang out in the shower while I was taking a bath. And I know that sounds creepy, but I just got so used to his presence that it didn't really phase me. And so that's my ghost story. I actually almost bought a home that had a ghost in it. And I am very still sad that I didn't get that home because I don't really have a fear. I have an interest. Like, what are you here for? What what do you need? Thank you so much. What a fun idea. Thank you so this is a great story that shows an example of how our pets and
1: animals can be sensitive to seeing and experiencing spirit and I, once again also when we're in that in between twilight phase you know when we're between that astral realm and somewhere still consciously awake in our physical body it's a very small window in which we experience that but that's a lot of the times when a lot of the psychic energy psychic hits and information can come in. And my personal paranormal story that I'm gonna tell at the end of this podcast is is, speaks to that exact situation. Uh, And I think that's also why spirits like to try to communicate through the dream time. It's a easy access point. And uh, I love that you heard this really strong, clear audience sort of validation to something you were sensing, but you couldn't quite put your finger on and that your dog was able to respond to that. Uh, was very cool.
0: Yeah, that was a great story. And I love that as soon as that man calmly told the dog it was okay, the dog laid down and went back to sleep. And there are a lot of spirits and ghosts that come through during readings for me that will tell the person, hey, you know, I play with your dog all the time. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, we always joke that my dog looks like it's playing with a ghost. And now we know it's my dad or my uncle or something. So um, ghosts communicate with animals um, really clearly and animals have the ability to pick that up.
13: Hi, my name is Melanie, and I'm 18, and this story happened probably when I was around 15 or 16. I had gone to Mexico to visit my family, and one night we had just come back from grocery shopping, and all of the lights in the house were off, and I was one of the first people to get into the house. And I walk into the living room, and mind you, all the lights are turned off, and I see, like, a figure, and I thought it was my younger cousin. And so, I see this figure, and I just start talking to it, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, kind of weird to just be sitting there. And then it gets up, like, all slouched, like, it was really short and slouched over. And, um, it, it just, like, turns and then goes towards the wall. and goes down to the floor just disappears a little bit and I'm like that's that's a little weird (laughs) but like I I didn't really think much of it and then I I turn around and it's the cousin that I thought I was talking to and immediately I'm like oh my god I just saw something and I told everyone and they all seemed to think it was my um My grandfather and you know that's that makes sense he was a short little guy (laughs) um and the way that i saw this figure standing was like hunched over and all that like an old person so it makes sense and i literally thought i was talking to some person so (laughs) like obviously i saw something you know it happened a couple years ago but yeah thank you for having me if this gets on to the show love you guys so much bye
0: Okay. This was, this was creepy. I mean, I love this story, Melanie, that, you know, you came home and you saw this, this figure and you thought it was your cousin and then your cousin walks in the door. Um, yeah. That gave me, gave me total goosebumps. And so again, pretty amazing that you're able to see that and that um, it may possibly have been your grandfather. And it's so interesting how different ghosts look to us and how sometimes it's hard to explain. I, I've seen Ghost day where I could tell you what they're wearing and what they look like and all that stuff. And then other times they come through and they look kind of translucent or they'll look like a little bit of a formed shadow where you know they're not really in a place where a shadow would show up. It's so fascinating to see how differently we pick up on ghosts and how differently they show up for us.
1: Yeah, I could totally see that in my mind's eye. Because a lot of times when we're not really paying attention, it wasn't like she was like, reaching out focusing, you know, when you're walking in the house, you see people in your peripherals, oh, there's somebody there. Am I really directly engaged with this person. And it's interesting when spirit manifests in such a way that they do seem solid, like an actual physicality to them. And I've seen this before. But when you know that it's spirit, and for you, I can get like, you weren't quite directly paying attention in the moments you missed this until your cousin made you aware that it wasn't them. When I've seen spirits like that, that manifest in that quality of physicality, there still is this very clear sense that they are spirit. They almost have like a liquid texture. It's almost like their lines, you know, the outside of their being is not high definition, you know, like we can very clearly see the edges of like the shoulder and the arms and the legs and the clothes. But when I've seen spirits that manifested almost as a full-bodied physical apparition, there was still a sense of it being like energy, like there was almost a a softness to its edges. So I I think that's really interesting. Just wanted to throw that in there to see if anybody else has also seen them like that. Yeah.
0: And also she came into a dark room. So she sensed this like... Presence,
1: presence, even in a dark room. Yeah. Fascinating. There's this one house I lived in when I was younger. And when I would be home alone, I would hear the door open, close. I would hear footsteps come in. And I was so sure that it was like the roommates move walking in and I would just be waiting, thinking they went up to their bedroom or whatever until my roommates, like an hour later would actually come in. I'm like, oh, and it would happen almost like every day. And even then, once again, my like lack of ability to just accept that I had abilities or that they were abilities just like completely explained away that it even happened. You know, it's so interesting because once my psychic abilities turned on, I say they turned on, but they were always there. It was just my conscious awareness that they were even happening at all is actually what turned on. And I imagine that there's a lot of people out there having a lot of paranormal experiences, but immediately their brain is wired to just say, nope, not happening. Explaining that away, ignoring this, and you just push it out of your mind. But yeah, once you start waking up that this stuff is actually real, you can kind of look back and be like, actually, I have seen a lot of weird things in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten out of bed with a baseball bat on more
0: than one occasion where I've seen a shadow through the house or I've heard something and I knew that it wasn't a fully formed person and it was probably not a human, but I got my baseball bat out and walked out through the house anyway because it was clear enough that it kind of you know, spooked me a little bit. So yeah, super interesting.
14: I was doing breath work for the first time with a group and it was a very well-intentioned group, a healing group, but they didn't have, um, the leadership didn't have very much experience with breath work. And I, we weren't told anything about what to expect, but they put on a recording and we all just went for it. And my experience was very intense. Uh, very much as I heard you guys describe on the podcast, just um just sobbing and shaking and writhing on the floor, and um you know all my extremities going numb and paralyzed my hands and feet and ears and lips and just going through such intense experiences a birth canal experience and first breath and traveling up and down the timeline of my life just (laughs) drenched in sweat. So it was just a very, very intense experience. And then so the whole thing had crescendoed and we were coming down the other side and coming back into normal breath. And I was sitting on the floor and I remember opening my eyes and right in front of me was the most extraordinary vision I had ever seen. It was the representation of three women and they were so beautiful. And I knew that I was looking into another dimension of reality. They were beautiful glowing and so crystal clear, so sparkling, like nothing I'd ever seen. And they were three women who I knew who were in that room somewhere. And I felt like I was seeing their divine feminine essence being revealed to me. And I could not take my eyes off of them. And they were arranged like in a triangle shape where the eldest woman who was kind of the, one of the leaders and one of the teachers of the group was in the middle and she was seated. And the other two women were seated on the ground at her feet and they formed this triangle and it was just exquisite. It was so beautiful. It reminded me like of a Renaissance painting the way that Raphael or Leonardo would paint the Madonna with the baby Jesus or Saint Anne in this triangle shape I think it must be like some kind of sacred geometry for the divine feminine and I just kept opening my eyes wider and wider because I couldn't believe that my eyes were open and I was just seeing this so clearly and it lasted for maybe a minute or so. And um, then it was over and I remember standing up and going outside and I was just in such a high vibration, like the sunlight and the leaves and the air were absolutely sparkling. It was so glorious. It was like I was in a slightly different vibrational plane. Um, so that was my experience with breath work. It, I've never done it again. It was incredibly intense, incredibly grueling. Um, but I feel like I was gifted with this amazing vision at the end that has stayed with me ever since.
1: Breath work. Okay. So Patty and I are not alone on this. There are other people out there who've also had very intense experiences with breath work, but what a beautiful outcome from that intensity you know uh to see this very clear vision of these three divine feminine spirit guide energies and i totally get that i had a similar experience during a mantra workshop when everybody at this one retreat that I was at was singing a mantra over and over and over again. So sort of like in that same rhythm of breath work, doing that mantra over and over again, I had this near like out of body experience where I met all of these spirit guides and it was crystal clear. I was blubbering and crying and it was Mm -hmm. intense, but it was super beautiful. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show the power of that, that work. It really is as potent as Patty and I speak of and I look forward to sharing more breath work in uh, future retreats.
0: Yeah, breath work is no joke. It really opens things up. And like you said, it can be intense, but it can be amazing and healing. And I love the triangle. You know, a triangle that's pointed down is the element of water. It also represents the divine feminine, also represents the yoni and the balance between mind, body, and spirit. So the fact that these beautiful, you know, aspects of your friends or the women that were there showed up in this beautiful way, but they were represented in a triangle is really magical as well.
15: Hi, my name is Celia from Toronto, Ontario. I was 14 when my grandfather passed away. My grief surprised me, perhaps because his death was sudden and unexpected, but also because he was the first person that I knew who died. The following night, I had the most memorable journey and experience I've ever had in a lucid dream. My dream began with me and an adult woman walking side by side in a line of many, many people. We were outside walking towards a building. The woman was holding my hand, and I almost felt that I was younger than 14 and she held the energy of a loving mother, but she was not my mother. We were all dressed rather plainly in white, loose clothing. This woman, who I sensed loved me unconditionally, would relay information to me without spoken words. She would say, keep moving, keep your eyes down, don't call attention to yourself, I was acutely aware that these people in the line ahead of me and behind me had all passed away. They were in a trance-like state, walking forward and keeping a steady, slow pace. But I knew that I could break them from their trance if I dared to, and I dared not. The line turned a corner around the building and we went in through the main floors of this building. Inside was a simple long hallway where the line of people just continued to walk. And I noticed on the floor that there was this light swirly mist or fog at our feet. As we walked further, the fog on the floor began to get deeper and thicker and it became a little harder to walk through. Some of the people in the line ahead of me were forced to slow down, some had to step aside, and for some it was just too difficult to keep going, and they would just slide down the wall and sit on the ground. I locked eyes with one of these, with one man who was on, sitting on the floor, and his face scared me. He looked a pale, sick, and skinny. I wondered if he had died of cancer. My guide urged me to continue, especially when the thick fog became a gelatinous mass. I was afraid that I could get stuck, so I kept my momentum going. Finally, the jowl just disappeared and the walking became easier again. I noticed now that the hallway had many doors on either side, and so I began opening doors looking for the right door, even though I had no sense of what I was looking for. Each room had a different feel. Some were empty. Some had one person, some had a few, some had a whole crowd of people. A few were somewhat comfortable to be in for a little bit, but most were just not comfortable at all. The only similarity I can see between all the rooms was that each room had a large screen at one end of the room. Finally, I got to a room that felt right. I walked in into a lovely, earthy forest. It was still a little dark, like just before sunrise. And in the center was a low, horizontal trunk, or maybe a large branch, where a young man, just gorgeous and glorious, was seated. He looked to be in his early to mid-20s. I knew immediately that it was my grandfather, although I would not have recognized him in this body that he presented to me. I ran over, I gave him a big hug, grateful to have this chance to see him again. I had an inner knowing that he was full and complete, what I would now call like his higher self, that he was, he was pure love and not bogged down by anything human. I knew that he had full knowledge of everything, like almost God-like in knowledge, and that he was still undergoing his life review, and that big screen had something to do with that. I also knew that I didn't have too much time left in this, in this space, so I started asking lots of questions. So many, so many silly questions. Maybe not silly, but I wanted to know, like, what does God look like? What does Jesus look like? Where are they? Where do they live? And he only chuckled and didn't answer any of my questions. He wasn't allowed to. And then he moved on to the reason for his visit. In my youth and in my teenage years, I struggled academically and I was painfully shy. He told me. I am smart, that I can do it, that everything was going to be okay. Just lovely inspirational and motivational words. Afterwards we hugged, I thanked him again, and I woke up. I woke up happy. My heart was full of love and zero grief. Looking back now, I do believe that this meeting with my grandfather was part healing as I did go on eventually to do well in school and in my career, but I also feel is also part spiritual awakening. I feel like walking in that lineup between worlds opened up some sort of portal in my mind and in my heart. Since that time, I've been able to more easily tune into this spirit world and I do help spirits cross over. So thank you, Grandpa. Thank you, Spirit Guides for allowing me that rare opportunity to see and walk through that in-between space, whatever it's called, I'm not sure. And thank you all for listening.
0: Hey, Celia. Celia was also at our Midwest retreat, and it was so lovely to meet her in person. She traveled all the way down from Canada. Super impressive. This story, you know, Jude, I'm, I'm really curious to hear your take on this, because this reminds me of your Polahale story a little bit. And um, this is something that I've I haven't heard a lot about about people having experiences where they're walking down hallways with other people, but I fully have been told about life review and people in a life review state. And I love that her grandfather showed up to her, you know, as this beautiful young man, and that she felt that he was whole and in a state of pure unconditional love, and tried to ask him questions, and that she woke up happy from this dream and feeling full of love and healing and awakened, and also that she's a person that helps spirits cross over. This is super beautiful. So I'm curious to see what you have to say about this
1: i absolutely love this story and it was you know validating for so many of my experiences and i look at her at that you know young age to get such a full scope from beginning to end of the story of the hallways and the spirits and seeing the ones and knowing how they passed and then meeting her young vibrant grandfather on the life review like that is so advanced you know it took me decades of little bits of experiences to piece all of that together i've absolutely been in the hallway between dimensions i've seen the people walking through the corridors i've seen the doorways i've seen the ones that were crossing over yeah just much like i did at pola holly and when i heard the story i was like oh so that's what it looks like from the inside what was it like for them to be in that space and i feel like celia got like this access into that and i do believe that that is a universal dimension that perhaps we all cross through and what a gift that she got to see that i mean it really made me excited and i and i was like yep i totally get that the hallway between dimensions and i don't even know if i've ever mentioned that before on any previous episode but there is i'm not saying it's the exact same one that celia saw but for me there is this space that is sort of like a neutral crossing ground between other realms and other dimensions that do exist as doorways and there are many different types you know elementals spirits entities angels whatever you want to call it it's like a neutral space where all these other different beings can walk through in order to access other dimensional portals and spaces and i've definitely seen that i've seen it multiple times maybe there's more than one but I really feel like this speaks to my Holly story, but from the viewpoint of being actually inside the portal rather than on the outside looking in as I was. So thank you for an incredible story. Yeah, that was so interesting. And I haven't seen
0: that when I have read people that have passed. However, my grandmother, after she passed, she told me that um, whenever I was ready, that she would take me on a tour of the afterlife. And I was like, can you do that? And she's like, yes, you know, and I started to go with her and I hit that space, that in-between space. And it was a little uncomfortable for me, to be honest. I wasn't expecting it and it wasn't moving right into that, ah, that light. And so I turned around right then and came back and I haven't gone through again. Um, So it's, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about this and now to hear Celia talk about it as well.
1: I think you're ready to take that journey, Patty.
0: I don't know you would think right i've put enough hours in but um, maybe the hours don't actually translate
1: <laughs> you'll be pleasantly surprised it's it's a cool dimension um,
16: my name is meredith and i live here in arcata california beautiful humboldt county and um, i believe in magic And um, I have a magical story for you that took place um, about five years ago. I have a lovely little cabin by the Trinity River and um, just, oh, totally love it. Right by the river, commune with nature, bears, turtles, foxes, frogs, eagles. Anyways, it's, it's magic, it's magic there. And it's been a lot of growth and um, lessons for me as well, in living in the Willy Wags. And um, anyway, so one morning I was sitting out on my little porch, in a hundred-plus-year-old rocking chair that was handmade uh, in the mountains long ago, and um, looking up at my hummingbird feeder, and all the hummingbirds just going wild and. That was the summer of feathers. That was the summer that feathers just kept coming to me. Um, I believe I have an eagle feather uh, uh, possibly a, a blue heron, a owl, you know blue jays, um, all kinds of different feathers, quails. Um, hawks, and uh, anyways, and as I was pondering, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't have a hummingbird feather. What would it take to have a hummingbird feather? And I was just sitting there drinking my tea thinking about, oh, how lovely to see a hummingbird feather. You know, they're so fast and, you know, they're so beautiful and magical and, tiny and and I just was pondering the beauty and the gifts of their joy and and how they also like fight with each other over territory they're just fascinating to me I even got down on my knees underneath the hummingbird feeder looking for like a feather that may have dropped and I didn't find any so I finished my tea and I I'm like oh I better get moving you know, it's going to get hot soon and, and you want to get your work done, your chores done before it gets too hot. So my chore was to go down in the gully and um, collect some wood rounds. Uh, a friend had bucked up a tree for me down there, you know, a year ago or a year before, you know, and it was ready to pull up and be um, chopped up into firewood. So I'm down there and I'm throwing the, the rounds up onto the gravel road and... And then wheelbarrowing them back to where I'm gonna chop them up. And so I get that done, and um, I'm pulling out the rounds and getting them set up to start chopping. And I look down at one of the rounds, and there was like this black, dark speck, like in, in the rounds, you know, the, the tree had maybe, I don't know. 50 rings or something like that. And it was a, it was a, um, I think it was a Dug fur, And so the, the, the wood was kind of lightish and I see this dark speck and I'm, I'm like, what the, what is that? And, um, I, I pull out something sharp. I think I had a little, a pocket knife and it was a feather, a compressed, hummingbird feather oh oh my goodness i jumped up i was just like thank you goddess thank you spirit thank you divine source oh creator i was just so grateful and blessed and joyful and just kind of blown away that there was this tiny little one one and a half inch beautiful shimmering feather in my hands after I had just wondered if I would ever find one. And I immediately ran to my altar in my cabin and got a little piece of dried wax and poked it in there so the wind wouldn't blow it away and put it on my altar and thankful again. Gratitude, gratitude, joy. Oh, just filled my heart. I just, I still, like, when I tell the story, like, I feel it shimmering, like the joy shimmering through my whole being, and just, it was just such a magical moment, and it's lovely to still have that memory to, um, to tell the story and, and bring joy. Um, thank you for listening. Bye.
1: Okay, coming back once again, to this amazing connection to feathers and our spiritual connection, and how the universe heard your joy. This this is also a thing of like gratitude. Also, it's like when the universe hears how much we love something and how much joy it brings us that the universe wants to give us more of it. And that she was just sort of like giddy and almost childlike and like willing to go out there and find this. What are the chances of you? finding <laughs> a Hummingbird feathers, like a needle in a haystack, then yet you literally went to go look for one, <laughs> which I think is just so precious. And then we was rewarded with one shortly after is just what how amazing and magical. Those are those like sweet little moments that I feel like life is about. Yeah, what a magical gift that is. That's amazing.
0: You know I have a, a big thing with feathers. i ha- I find feathers all the time. I'm gifted feathers, and I've told a few stories. You know, I was driving down the road and there, I'm not going to mention the bird because I don't want to get arrested. I don't know if it's legal to have their feather. But there's a huge white bird here, and I was saying, I need one of those feathers. I want a feather for this bird. And I kept saying it over and over, and I was driving home, and one of the birds flew over me on the freeway. And I said, "Okay, spirit, come on, bring me the feather." And they're like, "How about a wing?" you know, and I kind of laughed and I was talking to my daughter on the phone and I, and then all of a sudden I saw this bird get hit by a car right in front of me. And I said, I got to go, you know, I'm asking for a feather and they're bringing me a wing. And she's like, mom, you're so weird. And I pulled over and I I picked up the bird that was dead and brought it home. And so right now I'm looking at this beautiful fan of white wings on my wall. And it's, it's such a gift when it's like spirit decides they're going to give this to you you know, and there it comes. And it sounds like she manifested it, but she kind of already knew that it was on the way to her. Super magical. I, I love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually, I remember years ago, I was gifted a very powerful bird feather that i shall also not name for legalities um by a man from uh the local native tribe up in the northern california area and i felt like such an i, I cried when this man gave me this feather i was just like mm. what an honor and of course i told patty and she was terribly jealous <laughs> she yes. was she was like what i got one I later was... though <laughs> one i was at her house she had like six of them or something you had a whole bunch i walked into your room i was like What are you kidding me? I remember when you didn't even have one and I still only have one. (laughs) So thank you once again to everybody who submitted. I apologize for those of you who submitted a story and it didn't make it but we really enjoyed it and we are so grateful that you put the energy and effort into submitting those stories. And just to close it out, I think Patty and I are going to share a couple of our own. So Patty, do you want to start? Sure. This is just a little mini thing. This
0: happened night before last, actually. I was driving home from work and it was dark and I live out in kind of a rural area. We don't have any street lights on the freeway and it was foggy and I was driving really slow because we have a lot of deer. And as I'm driving, I had had kind of a dark day and I'm going to spare you the details, but you know, even though Jude and I get these amazing meditations and these positive things, you know, we have our dark moments. So I was having this dark moment and I was coming up with this plan on what I was going to do if if all this crap that I was thinking could possibly happen were to come into fruition. And then all of a sudden, my dad ended up next to me in the car. And this was one of those things where I couldn't really take my eyes off the road because it was foggy and I was watching for deer and it was pitch black. So I was kind of turning my head really quick and trying to look, and he was clearly sitting there next to me. And when I would look away from him, he would form in my peripheral. And then when I'd look over closer, it would be kind of a little bit of a misty place of a a person. And my dad has passed. And I don't have a lot of connection with my dad. There are other souls that have passed that I have much more of a stronger rapport with and communicate with much stronger. So I was kind of surprised that my dad showed up. But he shows up and he says, you don't need that plan, Patty. Everything is going to be okay. And I'm like, wow. And then I go back into my dark and I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you here? Are you here to warn me about something? Is this a warning? And he just kind of, you know, acted a little, a little frustrated with me. And he's like, no, I'm here to tell you everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, Wow that's great. And I had this lovely exhale. And then, you know, he died when my eldest son was just four and my, my middle son was a year old and he hadn't ever met my daughter. And I just kind of said, Oh my gosh, you would love my daughter Indigo. You and she would have so much fun. And the boys have grown up to be such amazing men. And he was, you know, like, I know I watch them. This is so impressive. And I just had this lovely conversation with my dad on the way home and, you know, I pulled up in the driveway, and I thought, "Wow, you know, like it's pretty amazing to let something like this be." let it feel normal, you know, and, and not second guess it and not think you're crazy. And, and what a gift to be able to have that experience. And it totally flipped me out of my darkness because my dad has given me messages before. Like he's the one that, you know, Jude, he told me that he had a, a lot of alien experience and he said, be careful, Patty, some of them are assholes, you know, like he'll, he'll give it to me straight. He's not always super rosy and, and positive. So for him to come through and say, you don't need that plan, everything is going to be okay. Okay was wonderful and and a real gift.
1: I love it. It, And it's my hope through this story that one day all of us will be able to be this open and there will be no sense of separation that you, it was like having a coffee date or a tea date with your dad catching up, (laughs) you know, like how awesome and fulfilling is that, you know, and I, and I think everybody here has the ability to do that. We, we block ourselves. We have a hard time believing. And if we just kind of get out of the way and just, you know, you are so fulfilled and put at ease and calmed down from like a really sort of like anxiety driven, like negative moment that you were having. And dad came through and supported you through that. What a beautiful story so my story also happened recently and if this particular client who this story is associated with wants to chime in on our instagram and say it was her Uh, you're welcome to do so (laughs) under the post um so i had a client come in that visited the island i gave her reading which i have to speak to was a very challenging reading for me this woman's energy was like unlike any energy that i was familiar with and i kind of get a little shook up when i read somebody that's not familiar territory like They're just a different type of soul. Their energy totally runs different. They're like sort of a rare gem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I even begin to explain this vision of how I see this person? But I understood at the end, because when we were finished, she says to me, I'm supposed to read you, I'm a medium. And I was like, okay, well now this all makes sense. (laughs) because of the way your energy looks. But I was also like, okay, I wasn't really expecting to get a reading. And sure, if you feel called to do that, like you can do it. And I was like, well, what kind of medium are you? And she says, well, I speak to loved ones who crossed over. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and for me as a medium, like that is a very specific and almost challenging genre of mediumship. You know, it's so direct and so close to home. And it's such an intimate kind of communication that, you know, I was like, wow, she must be, pretty confident in herself to volunteer this to me at this moment. So I am open. You have my ears. You have my attention. And immediately I'm going through my head of like, okay, my grandmother just passed, my uncle, my grandfather, I'm already thinking of like, who do I even know that's like passed that would step forward. And I had this list very quickly assessed in my mind. And she's like, there's this woman pushing through. She's a little old Asian lady. And she's telling me she's your mother's mother. And I'm thinking, okay, interesting. Cause my mother's mother abandoned her when she was maybe about five years old. So we don't really know anything about my mother's mother. And I was like, okay, so this will be kind of interesting to hear what she has to say. And and she's saying, you know, she really has been trying to get through to you, but you don't listen to her. She's been trying to connect with you because she wants to apologize to you. I'm kind of like thinking like, why is she wanting to apologize to me? And and she said, you know, a lot of the hardships that you went through with your mother are essentially her fault. And it was like, she takes responsibility for sort of the kind of harsh treatment she gave your mother and then your mother extended on to you. And she says she feels very responsible for sort of the the rift of energy that I've felt with my mother throughout my life. You know, I'm still listening because I was like, Yeah, I get it. Like you abandoned my mother, I'm sure that was very traumatic for her, you know, so then she started giving these sort of graphic descriptions of behaviors and things that my mother has done uh, towards me. and then she starts going into how she always knew her husband was up to nefarious things and she would ignore it because he would bring home the money and i'm like in that moment the light bulb went off and i was like oh my goodness she's not talking about my mother's biological mother she's talking about my mother's stepmother i was like stunned and shocked because it was like some very specific details about that relationship because the story is, and this is like letting, you know, the family secrets out of the bag. Uh, my grandfather was a a wealthy man in Korea and he had an affair and had my mother, uh, my mother's biological mother dropped my mother off at the wealthy father's house and said, I can't take care of her. I can't afford to take care of her. I'll come back when I can. And so now here's my mother living in this house with a stepmother and many other children. I think there was seven or eight other children in that household. And could you imagine, If your husband had an illegitimate child just suddenly dropped off and said, no, you're going to raise this child now. Uh, I'm sure she was not too happy about it. And I think she took out a lot of those grievances on my mother. So when I grew up, I heard a lot of really intense stories about this woman to the point where I sort of feared her. I was just like, oh my gosh, this woman sounds horrible. But I didn't know it wasn't my mother's biological mother until I became an adult. So there was these details that came up about this particular woman. And I immediately understood in that moment why it was that I had such a hard block with her, that even in this moment with this medium, I had considered Everybody else except for her, I even considered my mother's biological mother before I even considered the stepmother, because that's how far out of my consciousness and awareness that I have pushed this woman out of my reality because of the perception that I had of her because of the stories that my mother would tell me. So I also felt that was like another validation as to how she was saying she's been trying to get through to me, but I have a very big wall up against her. I was like, wow, this is very interesting at the closing statement of this reading was that she just wanted to say, I am responsible and I'm sorry, you know, and I got to tell you, it was incredibly healing. I was so stunned. I didn't even really know what to say. So if this person is listening, I just want to let you know, I'm so grateful. And there's been a lot of healing through this reading because after you left and I processed it, I even called one of my cousins and asked her all these questions to validate information about this grandmother, which really aligned with what this woman said. And I thought it, I was astounded. I, w- I was really impressed with the level of accuracy that she had. And, uh, I felt this sort of like weight lifted off my heart. Like, I think I always had a lot of sort of unresolved grievances and resentment towards my mother for, you know, the dynamics within our relationship. But I always had this sense of compassion and trying to understand because I get her position. I get, she had a very hard life, but it was still this thing of like, The inability to be accountable for, you know, my pain, which was so hard and to have somebody from the other side speak for me in that way and just say, I'm sorry. And this is, you know, my fault that this has happened was so clarifying in my inner spirit. But the story continues. So what else was so interesting is we just went to this retreat in Illinois and my Korean family, most of them live in Chicago. And this whole thing happened literally like less than two weeks before I was about to go and see my Korean family that I had not seen in many, many, many years who are from this same grandmother. They are the biological descendants of this grandmother. And I was hanging out with my cousin and I was like, you wouldn't believe this crazy story and this medium. And it was amazing. And now I feel connected to this grandmother. And he very casually is like, oh, yes, you know, grandma. At some point, she raised every single one of the grandkids, even you. She used to live with you guys. And way back in the 80s, when I first met that cousin, when I was three years old, I have this faint memory of meeting him when I was three and he was eight. He's like, we were coming to pick up grandma from your house. She was living with you guys and helping uh, watch you guys while your mom was at work. And I looked at him like sideways, like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought this was a woman I had never met. And then it just hit me like, a, like, I don't know that it just like slammed into my consciousness and I remembered that when I was little, about three years old, there was this old Asian woman that was very much a fixture in my reality. I remember her I remember I was fond of her I was bonded to her and then I remember one day she was gone and I was too young to understand or communicate or express to my mother or anybody else like what happened to the lady like where is that woman like and I thought about her for years and always was like whatever happened to that woman that used to hang out like in my mind as I got older I thought. Oh, she must've been a neighbor. She was just, maybe she passed away. She was an old woman. Like I had no idea. It was just this sort of faint memory that I always remembered of this woman. And I realized that my cousin was speaking the truth. That was my grandmother. And how have I come into adulthood and never realized that I had actually met this woman? I've hung out with her. She took care of me. You know, I didn't have any memories except for just remembering like the face of this woman. And um, that night I went to sleep and uh, I got jolted awake in the middle of the night, you know, like that shake, fully alert, fully awake. And in front of me, I saw that grandmother, like she was looking right at me. Like I know she shook me awake and she was looking right at me and it stunned me. My second thought was like, oh my gosh, where am I? I was like, oh yeah, I'm in Chicago in an apartment, you know, (laughs) and you wake up and you've been traveling and you've been somewhere else. And i see my grandmother and i'm immediately just kind of drifting right back into sleep and when i went back into sleep i remembered the entire chapter of our life together i remember the food she cooked i remember what she looked like i remember me and my brother playing around her i remember specifically also this moment when my mother had me with her and was saying her name is harmony harmony which is how you say grandmother in Korean. And I remember thinking, Oh, that must just be her name at three years old, because my English grandmother, we already called her grandma, I knew what grandma meant, you know, so to for my mother to say harmony harmony, I just thought that was her name. And I remember, even in that moment at three years old, that I liked the name, you know, and I remember her being very kind of smitten and happy when she heard my three year old self recite it back to her and start calling her that i remembered all these things that i had not remembered from that moment and i woke up that morning just like really emotional like crying realizing that despite the kind of intensity of the stories and how she treated my mother and i understand because i wouldn't put it past a woman to feel some kind of way about her husband bringing home another child from another woman um, I know she's not proud of it. I know she's sorry, and I know she's seeking forgiveness because she sees how her actions to my mother impacted me and, you know, and potentially my own children, you know, because I still have hangups about, you know, the way I was raised and trying to push past that and how I raise my own daughters. It was incredibly healing, uh, very emotional, and it dug up these memories and gave me answers and clarity to things that I forgot that I always wondered about growing up. And to have this all collide with me reuniting with my Korean family in in the Chicago area, I mean, it was so magical. And even in this moment now, speaking of it, like, I feel her energy with me. I feel that love and that support. And I feel that connection, even though she's technically not my biological grandmother. But at some point, she saw me through her eyes as her kin, you know, and that I to her, whether I understood it or not, there was a connection there and that she reached out from the other side through this medium that came into my studio shortly ago. It was just really a really powerful experience. And I'm, I'm super grateful. I love this story, Jude, when you told me the story, we
0: were together in Illinois and It was just obvious what a huge impact it had on you and how healing it was and how it allowed you to open up compassion for your mom and have a better understanding of her and that it really opened up kind of a forgotten time in your life. You know with her showing back up it, it's so amazing and so touching and so and so beautiful and powerful and i just got to give a shout out to the woman that did this for you because first of all mediumship is something that if you can connect it is so healing and so touching and so powerful for the person who's receiving that information if you're unable to connect it's really kind of defeating and sad. And, you know, I've certainly have times where I've connected and helped people. And then there've been times when I have not been able to connect with the loved one they were hoping to hear from. And it's an intimidating thing to deal with. And then also for this woman to read you, that seems really intimidating as well, you know, because we know how gifted you are. And so I just want to give this woman a shout out for doing such an amazing job and having the balls to uh, offer that to you. And how beautiful this is and what, again, what a huge healing impact it's had on you. So beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still feel like I am still integrating all of that. I mean, it was just such a a mind-blowing experience and it's kind of rare... (laughs) (laughs) I've seen so many things and experienced so many things like it's kind of hard to blow my mind you know what I mean like (laughs) and uh that certainly happened through this experience and it was very close to home and very touching and really just so special and uh yeah I had I had landed at the retreat the day you know as we were getting there with tears in my eyes explaining what this is just what happened to me like yeah it was amazing
0: all right, I have a story. This happened about oh gosh, maybe five, six months ago. Um, I so the, so my house is kind of in a, in a U shape, and there's the main house, and then then. The bottom of the U is a glass room that I call a sunroom. It's like a walkthrough. And then the other leg of the of the U is my bedroom. And my bedroom is all glass. I have 12 windows in here with no window covering. And I'm kind of out here all on my own. And for some reason, a lot of times ghosts show up in the area between the house and my room, what what we call the sunroom. And I think there's reasons for that, but this, this happened here and I usually do readings at my office. However, this day, I don't know why I was doing a reading from home and I had the computer all set up in my living room and I was ready to go. And I ran down the hall to the bathroom. And as I was coming back through the sunroom, I heard a man's voice say, hello. And so of course I looked at my dog, you know, thinking maybe it was my dog talking to me and my dog was not talking. And I thought, what is that? And I thought, this sounds like a a French or a German accent. And he said, hello again. And I thought, no, 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 no. A, A ghost cannot show up right now when I'm about to do a reading in the other room with my back turned towards the sunroom. This is really an inconvenient time. And so I told him that I said, this is an inconvenient time. I'm about to do a reading. You need to give me some space. I'll talk to you in a little while. So I went back out and I turned the computer all around. Now I'm in bad lighting, but anyway, I turned it all around. So I had, I was facing the sunroom. and didn't have my back to it. And I did the reading. I tried to stay present, even though there was this ghost waiting for me. And when I was done, I walked back into the sunroom and I said, okay, who are you? And what do you want? So right away, he told me that his name was Sebastian and I couldn't see him, but I knew in my mind's eye that he, like the one thing that really showed up to me is he had a really thin, long nose. And he says, you and I have known each other in a past life, and I'm visiting you here. I was alive in the late 1400s into the 1500s. I'm a writer and a satirist, and we know one another. And I'm thinking, okay, a satirist, I know that's, you know, somebody that like, um, you know, political humor, that type of thing. And then he says to me, my message for you is that you need to lighten up. You're taking things way too seriously. You need to find humor in things. You have lost your sense of humor. This life is all illusion and you should have fun with it and play with it. And I was pretty stressed out during this time. I had a lot going on. And I was just like, whoa, you know, okay. And, And again, he said, when I knew you, we used to meet a lot. We used to write together and laugh a lot. And I'm here to bring that back into your life. So I talked to him for a little while. And so when I was done talking to him, I got my phone out and I Googled. And what I Googled was Sebastian satirist, 14 to 1500s. And a photo came up that gave me full goosebumps because this was this man with this really long nose. His name was Sebastian Brandt. He was a writer and a satirist in Germany. He was born in France and did most of his work in Germany. And when I heard that, hello, even though I'm not really familiar with a French and German accent, that's what came to me right away is that, oh, it's a French or German accent. And so I felt comfortable with him and he hung out for quite a while and I would just walk through that room and I would sense him and he would, you know, I'd sit down on the step and he would chat with me. And most of the time it was just reminding me not to take things too seriously, that life is so short and I can find humor in everything and it will change my outcome. And we had this, this lovely conversation. And one night I had walked through the sunroom and I was laying in bed and I sleep alone. And again, my room's full of glass and and I'm alone. And I just started feeling kind of uneasy. And so I kind of called out to him from my room telepathically. And I said, hey, Sebastian. And he says, yes. And I said, I don't want you coming in my room. I'll meet you out there, but I don't want you to come into my bedroom. And he said, of course not. That would be highly inappropriate. And I said, okay, good. And so this was my connection with him that he is a ghost, but he is a visitor from a past life. He is not an earthbound spirit that he had freedom to choose and came to visit me. And he stuck around for a few weeks and I haven't really talked to him in a, in a little bit of, of time here, but I was having one pretty stressful day and I called my daughter and I was telling her about what was going on. And, and, uh, and there was a little bit of a pause in the conversation and she said, mom, what would Sebastian say? And we both started cracking up because, you know, right already I called, I met a new ghost, blah, blah, and told her all about it. But it was, you know, it was kind of like ridiculous that we are are quoting or asking what a ghost would say. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, exactly. What would he say? And it really has changed the way I have looked at things. And this was a short encounter with him. Like I said, just a few conversations over a few weeks, but it did have a huge impact on the way I looked at life. You know, I I, I feel like I'm trying to be lighter. And I feel like when I take things too seriously, he kind of taps me on the shoulder and reminds me. And it was, it was amazing. And again, he was in my sunroom. They love to hang out in the sunroom. And that's my ghost story.
1: So cool. You know, I've been in your house and I re- remember the very first few times that we met, I would always see spirits in and out of your sunroom. And I think it... You know, you were, I remember you being like that makes sense because everybody sees stuff going through there but I think it also made you uncomfortable cuz you're like wait a minute who's getting who's getting past my gates <laughs> like who's coming yeah. in and out but that was where I always saw movement I to every almost every time I've been to your house I always see movement going in and out of that sunroom
0: it is interesting and and I wonder if it's because it connects the main house to my private quarters, or because it's all glass, it's glass on both sides, that it's just an easy pass through. But it is interesting because every time I've seen a ghost walk down the hall on the other side of my house once or twice, but the majority of them show up there in that place. And the only ghost that I have in my bedroom is my grandmother because I fully trust her and she will show up in my bedroom, sitting on the edge of my bed and talk to me fairly frequently. But, um, I do not want anybody else in my, in my room And so it cracked me up when he said, you know, very, you know, very respectfully, of course not, that would be inappropriate. I loved that. But yeah, it is interesting that that sunroom is the the ghost spot.
1: I mean, in the house of a medium, I could absolutely see that there would be some sort of passageway for spirit to come in and out. But, you know, it makes sense because I think that spirits utilize you know, vibratory fields to take advantage of. And two doorways facing each other going in and out seems like appropriate. (laughs) It just seems like that makes sense. And I've also had like weird visitations where I'll have spirits like hang out with me for a few days or like a week or so until they move on until like whatever needed to be said or whatever insight I was supposed to get was complete and then they would go. And it's super interesting as a medium, how it's just like, if you met somebody on the earthly plane and you had a correspondence with somebody for a little bit or a business transaction, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like these, this whole other reality that we're in where we're meeting and it's really not that much different why you can have a conversation with your daughter and be like, I just met a ghost and this is what we said and talked about. Yeah, very cool.
0: Well, this concludes our paranormal stories And we want to thank all of you that sent stories in. We thank those of you that sent the stories in that we were able to share with you during this episode. And we want to thank those of you that sent stories in that didn't quite make it because we really appreciate you taking the time and we really enjoyed listening to all of the stories. And we just want to let you all know how much we appreciate you, how thankful we are that you listen and for all of the donations that you make to us and all of the lovely comments that we get on our instagram and we just want you to know that we love you
1: yeah thank you to this beautiful spirit speakers family and this community and the support and sharing our podcast with other like-minded people and spreading this knowledge that we're sharing here we look forward to more opportunities to connect and meet with you in the future. So please stay tuned. Make sure to be on our mailing list on spiritspeakerspodcast.com or our individual websites that you can find links to from the Spirit Speakers website. Until next time, aloha and take care.